Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Ephesians 6, 13-14 Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. Brilliant. Well, it's a real privilege to be able to welcome uh, in person for the first time Jeff and Sherry Surratt. Um, They've become really great friends of ours, great friends of Westminster Chapel. Um, some of you may know, some of you may not know that we are part of something called a learning community uh, twice a year for about two and a half, three days uh, for I think maybe the last five, six years we've been going to receive support, encouragement, training. It's not a conference, it's a real workshop exercise of strategy and development. We've benefited so much from them and we've, we've built a relationship with them through that. Um, they then um, gave us the blessing of speaking at such a sensitive and critical time in COVID. You may remember back in March, they brought an amazing word from Philippians chapter four about anxiety, which was so helpful. We had so much encouragement about that. They've got an incredible amount of experience between them. They seem to have done basically everything that you can do in the church and Christian world. If you want to find out more, you can read about them online. They've got a website, Ministry Together. Uh, they're heading up all sorts of great stuff. So it is, it is such a privilege to have them here. They're so warm, so welcoming. I know you're going to receive them really well. So let's welcome them right now. Let's give them a warm round of applause as they come up to the stage. Thank you so much. It is, uh, man, it's, it's good to see those of you that are here in the room, like to see you actually live in person. And we were, uh, as uh, Pastor Howard said, we were here by video last March, which if you, not, not uh, March 2020, if you remember, a few things happened uh, that month that kind of changed the world completely. So it's great uh, to be with you, or, uh, Jeff and Sherry. Uh, we love being in England. We love being in London, especially we, as um, Pastor Howard said, we've been coming over for about really six or seven years. Uh, the last two years, we haven't been able to be over, so it is uh, so fun to be back. And something you need to know about us, you've already picked up, we talk funny. Um, we say words, and we don't understand some of what you say. You will not understand some of what we say. So just so you know, to us, obviously you know this, but football involves helmets and pads and very little feet. Uh, mum is something you give your mother on Mother's Day because it's a flower. And what always makes us smile is a jumper to us is a dress that a little girl wears. And so <laughs> when guys talk about wearing their jumper, we always think that's hilarious. But that's just to say up front, we love being here. We are going to try to connect as much as we can culturally, but just, just give us some grace a little bit. All we can talk from is our own background, but so fun to be here. Yes, we are so, so glad uh, to be here at Westminster Chapel. Um, you know what's cool about us being here is we have been praying for you for many years. So as Howard said, about five years ago, we met Pastor Howard and Holly in our learning community time and started praying for this church, praying for you, praying for them. And so it's just by God's grace that we were able to be here today. Jeff and I visited here about two years ago when we were 
um, here in London at that time and just enjoyed your service so much. We were in your auditorium uh, the way it was previously, and uh, Pastor Howard just walked us through and talked about all the wonderful changes that are coming. We prayed about that in our learning community too. We prayed that God would make it possible to uh, make uh, adjustments to your building, to be able to provide for even more people to come and hear the word of God at the chapel. And so it is so wonderful to be here. Uh, we also love your theme, uh, Stronger Together. I love that. I love how you're talking um, in Ephesians about how God has provided the armor of God. We'll talk about that today to make you stronger and that we are stronger together. God designed us to need each other. Just like he provided the learning community for the pastors to come together, God knows pastors need time with other pastors as well. We need each other. God built us that way. And we are going to bring in the theme of family into that passage today. Uh, Jeff and I are passionate about marriage and families uh, we have a family in Colorado ourselves. We have two children. We have Michael, our son, and Brittany, our daughter. They both are married, um, and that leads us to the best part of our life. We have four grandchildren, uh, Maggie, Molly, Mason, and Copeland. And uh, we just celebrated Copeland's two-year-old birthday just a couple of days ago. And so we uh, just enjoy our family so much. At any given time, uh, our family will gather at our house, and I don't know if your family is like this, but when all of our family gathers, it looks like a bomb went off in our house. We have toys everywhere, we have food, we have people sitting all over the place. It's just a big family party. Jeff and I love the concept of family. In fact, in our work that we have done for many years, family has been central to that I work for an organization now called One Hope, and they are located in Florida. And what we do at One Hope is we help families around the world by providing uh, biblical resources for children and teens. Um, previous to that, I worked for an organization called Orange, and we concentrated on the family there as well. Jeff and I both uh, do some work with Orange today, and we help resource families. And today, we're going to look at our text through the lens of family. And here's uh, what we know. We know that families are mentioned in God's word. Families are very important to God. In fact, families were God's idea you know, God created the first family. When we look at the Garden of Eden, uh, when God created Adam, and he looked at Adam and said, oh, this is so good, but something is missing because Adam was all by himself, and God said, this is not good. So then I truly believe God did his best work when he created woman, and he created Eve to be with Adam, and he said, okay, this is good because man was not created to be by himself. You know, we uh, see family talked about in the Bible often. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he mentioned to John, John, take care of my mom. We know that Jesus' mom was very important to him. Jesus referred to his group of disciples as his family. We know that family was very important to Jesus as well. And, you know, we see this rep replicated in modern families today. Uh, families can look like all kinds of things. Families come in all shapes and sizes. 
Sometimes when we see a family, we see a mom and dad and two kids. Sometimes we see single moms and single dads. We see grandparents raising grandchildren. We see multiple families sharing a flat together or flatmates that have no blood relationship at all, but they are family together. Every family is unique. And no matter what your family looks like today, you might be here with your parents or with your spouse or with your children or with just friends, you are part of a family here at the chapel. Here's another thing we know about families. They come all in different shapes and sizes, but families aren't easy. There is nothing easy about the family together. And you know what's really interesting is when we look in the Bible, we don't find any examples of perfect families in the Bible. We have Adam and Eve that I mentioned a while ago, and they had two boys who couldn't get along. In fact, one brother murdered the other. We have Abraham, our founding forefather. He's the one who told a lie about his wife. Uh, and told people that his wife was actually his sister, and he did that to save his own neck. And Noah, the, the man that we all look up to, who built the ark and saved his family, um, he's the one who drank too much. He got drunk, and he embarrassed his family by taking off all his clothes. You know, there are no perfect families in the Bible, and here's why I personally think why is because God knows that we will struggle in our families as well. He did not hold up a perfect model of a family and said, be this, because he knows if we did, we would want to quit, because families are not easy. You know, whatever your family looks like, and however it functions, here's the reason why I feel like God brought us here today, all the way across the, the big pond to come to the UK is because God wants you to know this. There is hope for your family. We're going to talk about that today. There is hope for your family. No matter what is going on, God wants you to hear that. And this is what we're going to concentrate on today. There is hope, and you are stronger together as a family. Uh, we love that theme, stronger together. And as you know, in this series, we're talking about the armor of God. And you're thinking, are we ever getting to that? We are. That's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the armor of God, but in the lens of family armor. Let me read our text again today. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Paul's premise here is we're at war, and that's what we talked about last week. This is a war. It's a spiritual battle. And our homes, no matter what our home looks like, our home is the main battleground. And it was a surprise to Sherry and I when we got married that our home would be a battleground. We, when we got married, we were childhood sweethearts. We've known each other since we were teenagers. Um, we got married, um, no, we were best friends when we got married. We got married when Sherry was 19 and 20. What could possibly go wrong when a 19-year-old and 20-year-old get married, right? What we discovered is we were two very individual humans with our own picture of family and our own picture of what married life would be like, and suddenly we found ourselves in a bit of a, of a, of a battleground trying to build a cohesive unit. And we thought that was hard, and then guess what? We decided to have kids, right? And it got way worse. The American uh, comic Jim Gaffigan, he has five kids, and he says, when someone asks me what it's like to have 
five children. He said, it's like you're drowning and someone throws you a kid. You know, that is, <laughs> that is what it's like. And it becomes this, this battleground. Why would our family be a battleground? The reality, every family is a battleground. And why is that? It's because attacking the family is one of Satan's primary tactics in this war that we're in. In fact, last week we looked at a scripture called Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians 6.11 that says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against what? All the strategies of the devil. Attacking your home, whatever your home looks like, is a strategy of the devil. But the thing is, is Satan doesn't fight like we fight. It's not a, it's not a war that we can see, that we can experience. In fact, um, I read a book uh, this past year by an author named Simon Sinek. And he wrote a book called The Infinite Game. And in this book, his premise is, is that everything that happens in life is a game. What we do at work, what we do at home, what we do in school, it all can be thought of in terms of a game. And he said there's two different kinds of games. There's a, a finite game. A finite game would be football or chess. And in that type of game, there's a set number of players. There are set rules. There's a definite outcome. There's a beginning and there's an end. And you can win that game. That's a finite game. That's the game that we're most used to. But then he said there's also an infinite game. The idea of an infinite game is uh, players come and go, rules change. It's not a definite goal in mind. There's not an end to the game. The game goes on forever. And the goal of an infinite game is to stay in the game. And the problem is, is in, in family, we can think that we're in a finite game, that we know what the rules are, and, and we can win. In America, people talk about, I'm winning at marriage, or my kids are winning. And the truth is, is I would say Satan is attacking us in an infinite game. In other words, it, the game goes on. We don't win the game. The goal in marriage, in family, in, 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 in friendship is to stay in the game. Our goal is to stay in the game with our spouse, to stay in the game with our parents, to stay in the game with our kids, to stay in the game with our friends, not to think that we're going to win at marriage or parenthood or being a spouse or whatever it is, but we're not going to give up. We're going to stay in the game. That's right. And even though your home, uh, your family, it may feel like a battleground. Your spouse, your parents, your child, your flatmate, they are not the enemy. They are not the enemy. And you know, it can feel like they are when we're battling each other, when our spouse uh, gets on our last nerve, when our child won't abide by our house rules, when our flatmate is noisy and messy and drives us crazy. They are not the enemy, even when it feels like it. We have to recognize this, that we, we do have a real enemy. It's not our family. It is Satan. And here are three things that we'd love to remind you of today. The first one is Satan is the one behind the discord in your home. So when your uh, family or your flatmate says something very hurtful, that's coming from Satan, even though it's coming out of their mouth. You know, it's hard to believe that Satan is at work when our, in our homes, even though we can't, say, can't see him. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And you know, it's helpful in the battle in our home to change our mindset, change actually the way that we look at our family to remind ourselves, I'm not fighting my kids. I'm not fighting my spouse or my parents or my friends. I'm fighting against Satan himself. 
Satan is setting up your family to lose. And Satan not only is our enemy, but he's a formidable enemy. He is someone who knows what he's doing. He has thousands of years of experience destroying families. It started way back in the garden when he came to Eve. And he said, Eve, you need to eat that fruit from the tree that God told you you could not. And Eve disobeyed. And it caused discord between Eve and Adam. Satan has been working against families all the way since the very first family. And here's why because he knows that you're stronger together. The family was God's concept. God put you together as a family because he knows that you will be stronger together. And Satan knows that if he can destroy what God put together, he has done something significant. But here's the great news. God has given us everything we need to win the battle. You know, I love our text today from Ephesians, and Eugene Peterson, the author of the message, interprets Ephesians 6.13 like this. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you, get, you can get, every weapon that God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. I love that phrase, when it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. This passage in Ephesians 6 reminds us we're up against far more than we can handle on our own. And that's why family can feel so difficult at times. It's not your inadequacy. It's the enemy's skill. And, you know, sometimes in our family, when we're really up against it, we're in a battle, we're in a fight, it feels like we are so inadequate. It's because Satan is throwing so many things at us. And here's what our text reminds us to do in those moments. Take all the help you can get. Take all the help you can get. You know, you are at a great church right here, the chapel uh, gather together as often as you can. You know, Pastor Howard said well ago, come and stay after for lunch. And it's because uh, Pastor Howard knows we need to be together. We need those moments when we need to lean into each other. Seek out friends here at the chapel that will pray with you and pray for you. Use everything that God offers. God has written so many promises in his word for your family and he's just waiting to be able to talk with you about those promises. And he's listening every moment that you're talking to him. God has given us specific weapons for our use. You know, the second verse in our passage says this, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. You know, when we stand our ground, it means that when the battle is raging in our home, we don't turn and run. We don't give up. We don't get mad and walk away, even though that's exactly the thing we feel like doing. No, we stand with confidence because we know we can withstand any attack. And so our passage mentions two crucial weapons, our belt of truth and the um, put on the body armor. I want to spend a minute just talking about the belt of truth. You know, when we think about the belt of truth, this is not referring to what we think is true. It's talking about God's word. 
And putting on the belt of truth for your family means believing what God says about your family in his word. So what is it that God says about your family? I want to mention just a couple of things. The first one is your family is made in the image of God. We know that because Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the person sitting right next to you, they were created in the image of God. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're created in the image of God. <laughs> they actually are. They are. And you know, in our home, when we're looking at our family, this is hard to remember because you might have a little toddler running around who doesn't smell so good because he's wearing a, 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 a nappy that needs to be changed, right? And it's hard to remember that child is made in the image of God. Maybe you have a, a teenager in your home that when you talk with them, they roll their eyes at you and give you an attitude. It's hard to remember, but they're made in the image of God. We might be married to a spouse who says things that hurt our feelings or do things that just make us so angry. They are made in the image of God. It's hard to believe that these people in our home are made in God's exact image, but he calls us to love them just like we love God himself. Here's the second thing that God's word says about your family. God loves your family more than you ever could. This is hard to imagine, isn't it? But here's what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 says. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. What Ephesians chapter 3 is telling us there is God's love for you and your family is so huge that it's even hard for our mind to comprehend. You know, we love our children fiercely. Uh, we love the people in our family fiercely. God loves them even more than you do. In fact, he loves them so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for them, just like he did for you. Here's what else God's word says about our family. God is fighting for you. God is fighting for you. For the Lord your God is the one who gives you, who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. That's what Deuteronomy Chapter 20 says, I'm going to read that again. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Even when we're in the battle, in our homes, it feels like we're being overwhelmed. God is saying, I'm right here. I'm fighting for you because you're putting on the belt of truth and you're surrounding yourself with my scripture I'm going to lead you to victory. You know, God knows Satan wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy the harmony in your home to make you feel like there's no hope. And you know, today, some of you, as we talk about family, it gets really difficult because uh, it might be really hard, the things that you are facing right now. And some of you might feel a little bit desperate. Here's a verse 
that I love. It's Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, and it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Hmm. Being still doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Here's what being still means. It means that we call out to God. We use the weapons that God has given us, just like we're wearing a tool belt with the tools of scripture hanging from the belt. We pull out those scriptures and we say, God, here's what you've promised. You promised you're fighting for me. God, I believe that you can overcome anything going on in my family. And then we trust. That's what being still is. It's trusting that God is going to act on our behalf. But here's what I want to say today. We can only put on the belt of truth if we spend time in God's word. We need to not just read it. We need to study it. We need to memorize it. We need to put God's word into practice in our lives. Don't go out to battle without the belt of truth being on your body. So we have the belt of truth, and we want to finish today just with the last weapon that Paul mentions in our text, and that is the, the body armor of God's righteousness, or if you grew up in church like I did, the breastplate of righteousness. Satan's plan of attack is to convince you of your own inadequacy, your inadequacy as a friend, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, even as a child. And, and he has kind of a, it's kind of like a mental YouTube channel he has of every mistake you've ever made. Remember that time that you yelled at your spouse? Remember that time you broke a promise? Remember that time that you didn't do what you said you were going to do and you didn't follow through? Do you remember that? I know you do. You know why? Because Satan has a video of it and he keeps it in the YouTube channel. And when you do a Google mental search, he makes sure that that goes to the top of the search results. And you rehearse that video over and over and over again. And you know that video says, you are inadequate. You are no good. You, you fail. You lie. You, you don't follow through. And it's played over over and over again. And here's the truth. Satan's right. You are inadequate. Pastor Howard told us that. No, he, he didn't. I know you are because I am. I'm inadequate as a parent, as a, as a husband, as a friend. But the good news is what the scripture says is I don't rely on my own adequacy. I don't rely on my own righteousness. I have the breastplate. I have the body armor of God's righteousness. Where I am inadequate, God is not. I can lean into him. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs 18.10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly, uh, the godly run to him and are safe. I actually like the King James Version better there. Instead of strong fortress, it says high tower. And I, I didn't know what that was. I'm sure you did, but it took, uh, we were in Italy about three or four years ago, and we were out in the village, and they were explaining to us why every village had a high tower. And they said in medieval times, in times when the King James Version was translated, in a village, when the enemy would come, all the villagers would come from the countryside. They would come into the city walls. They would get in that high tower. They'd climb the ladder. They'd pull the ladder up behind them, and the enemy could not get to them, and they were protected. They were safe in that high tower. That's exactly the image that the writer of Proverbs is saying. God is our high tower. We can run to him. When, when, when we are struggling as a couple, and we've been through all kinds of struggles, 
we run to God's high tower. When we're struggling as parents and as we're struggling as grandparents, a couple of years ago, our youngest grandson was born and he was born without breath, without pulse. They couldn't get a pulse for uh, eight or a breath for uh, pulse for eight minutes. He was in, in a hospital for a month. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. And during that time, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to pray. We couldn't fix that. We couldn't fix it for our children. So we went to the high tower. We just prayed. We laid before God. And in our case, God moved in an amazing way. He, he healed our grandchild. But whatever God does, we know that in that high tower, we are protected. We are protected by his righteousness. We are safe. So when Satan attacks our family, we run to God's high tower. What does that mean? Well, for us, it means we stand on the promises of God's word. What Sherry talked about a while ago, we stand on those promises. One of the promises we've gone back to again and again and again is if you will train a child when they're young, when they're old, they will come back to the truth. And that's, we go back to that again and again and again. We stand on his promises. We lean into other Christian couples. Um, we are in a life group of other couples, and we're able to go to that life group and, and, and say, here's what's going on in our marriage. Here's what's going on with our kids. Here's what's going on with our work and our health. And we pray for each other. And for us, that's part of God's righteousness, that strong tower. So we, we stand on his promises. We lean into other Christian couples. As our kids were growing up, we, we leveraged the kids' work, the kids' programs at our church. Like, we... We just had our kids there every time the, the church had some sort of kids program. Right now, some of you have small children. They're in their, their classes. They're being taught the word of God. That was so big for us. And we not only brought them to church, we, as soon as they were old enough, they began to serve in the church. From the time that our kids were 12 and 13 years old, they served. They played on the worship band. They, they worked over in the tech booth. And that was the best decision we ever made. And that was part of God's high tower that we leaned into. We leaned into, we leveraged the programs of the church. And we learn to be honest about our inadequacies. And that's hard for me. I don't know about you, but for, as a man, I, I, I don't want to admit where I'm weak. But I've learned in our marriage with our kids, I have to learn to just be honest about the fact I'm inadequate. I have to be able to say, you know what, right now I'm afraid. I, I don't know what the future is going to bring. Or I'm angry or I'm anxious, or I'm depressed, or I'm discouraged. And I'm honest about that and say, I, I am inadequate, but God is not, and I depend on his righteousness. And I think about this all the time. I think about the fact that God is my rock. God is my strong tower. Regardless of what's going on in my family, in my life, in my world, I have the armor of God. Here's what we know as we finish today. Every family here is different. In some of the families, you're doing great. You're in a great place. If you're married, your marriage is good. If you have kids, things are going on well with your kids. I mean, you're in a good place. For some families who are represented here today, your family may just be barely hanging together. You might not even be in the same city. You may, you may be struggling in your home. And for some today, you're wondering, do I even have a family? I mean, this is a hard message for you because you feel alone. And I know you're in the right place because I know the chapel is a place where you can find family. You can find family in a life group. You can find family connecting online. You can find family here. But wherever you are as a family, I just want to finish by talking about the goal of the family. See, the goal of our family isn't to live up to some impossible perfect model of this is what a family should be like. 
The goal of our family isn't that our kids get into the best school. The goal of our family isn't that we, we get the best job or we finish with the most toys. The goal of family is this. The goal is to finish hand in hand, in love with Jesus, and in love with each other. As the scripture said today, then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Worship team's going to come. We're going to have a time of ministry and worship together. But as they come, would, would you pray for, or would you, would you close your eyes where you're at? Will you close your eyes online? We would just like to pray for you and pray for your family. Jesus, I thank you so much for the chance just to be here today at the chapel. I thank you for the incredible ministry that happens here every single Sunday and throughout the week. Lord, I pray for families. Lord, I pray first of all that we'll know that our family is imperfect like every family that's ever been. Lord, I pray that we'll just find encouragement in that to know that, yeah, our family may not look like the next family, but Lord, we are all image bearers. We are made in the image of God. Lord, I pray for families that might be struggling today. I pray for marriages that might be struggling. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for wisdom. I pray for forgiveness. I pray that we will see that everyone in our family is flawed, but that's okay. You love them. You are fighting for our family. and We lean into you. Lord, I pray for healing for families. I pray if there's a family here today, maybe it's a spouse that's here by themselves, maybe it's a child who's separated from a parent. Maybe it is a mom and a dad who are struggling with a, with a, with a child. Lord, I pray in this moment that your Holy Spirit will come, that you'll come in healing. Lord, I pray right now just for a miraculous healing for a marriage that's represented here today. Lord, I pray that if they're at a point where Sherry and I were years ago, and they just don't know if they can go forward. I pray that this is a moment of hope. Lord, I just see healing happening in marriages. Lord, I pray right now for a parent parent whose heart is broken today. They're broken because they do not see in their child what they thought they would see. Lord, I pray that they will see through your eyes. Lord, as the prophet prayed for his servant at his eyes would be opened and he could see what, that you were at work. I pray that for this parent that their eyes will be opened supernaturally right now today and they will see through your eyes that you are at work in the life of their child. And Lord, we just pray for every family, whatever it looks like, that you will bring healing and wholeness as we lean into you. And Lord, we ask this today in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.